Okay, well, here's the thing. We can, you know, we can, uh, actually, when we start our pointers for men sort of book, this is kind of like the three, this is like the five love languages. Woke up in the middle of the night thinking of the five. I wonder, I was, honestly, 3.54 a.m. last night, I was lying in bed thinking, which love language is Jesus' love language? That's what I'm thinking about, because I'm in touch with my feminine side. You're not going to like the answer. (laughs) Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? (laughs) Okay, I just, so it might not be, you know, might not be what you think it is. I don't know. (laughs) Huh? Jesus? I don't know. Who? You think? Hey, hold it down in there. We're talking about important stuff. And he knows what his wife says. Hey, listen, there's people who, there are people, as this begins, there are people who like to read the book first and know where it's going, and there are people who just like to muddle through. Yeah, there's just people who like to, hey, and if you're good at muddling through, hey, you can make a career. Believe me, a lot of, what do you call a guy who gets LDs at the seminary? Pastor, that's right. Okay, good. Okay, so here we go. Oh, well, you know. All right, for you who haven't read, we can do this slowly and prayerfully. Although I would encourage you to go back and, and read it. So uh, remember now, we're, at, we're, at a, we're in a postmodern world. So all, Now, I just want to be clear about, uh, you know, you can, you, can, you, can hear the, you, can hear the, you can hear the postmodern thing as a threat. And I've given several lectures already where I've sort of said, um, you know, postmodernism is okay. In fact, I've said I welcome it. And I've always had people come up afterward, and they actually treat that almost as heresy. <laughs> Here's the deal. You don't have any choice. The younger you are, the most, more postmodern the world is going to be in your lifetime. It's already postmodern. In academics, it's been postmodern for 30 years or 40 years. And stuff that comes out of academics, when your kids come home from college, they're going to be postmoderns. You won't be able to talk to them rationally anymore because they're, they're going to be postmoderns. You know, that's the world you live in. The benefit of being a postmodern is the world is once again open to the possibility of mystery and the divine. So this is a great advantage. It also means, though, you're going to have to be on your toes So, because um, the world is coming at you in a completely different way. And I don't mean... Different like things changes uh, at my wife's work every four years. Somebody gets paid to rethink a new theme, and then they buy new office furniture, and then it's all different. I don't mean change like that. I mean the last 300 years are kaput. That's what I mean. Okay, the way of thinking about the world for the last 300 years, from the mid, you know, from the late 1600s, so almost 400 years, but especially from the Enlightenment, that, that just doesn't go anymore. People just don't care. <laughs> and one of the things I was struck about reading about this is how much, I read this once as a modern and once as a postmodern, um, and I was struck by how 40 years ago these arguments would not have flown. Right. And now I w- I'm struck by the fact that this can be such a popular book. It tells you about how the climate has changed. So um, for you folks who have sort of read a little bit, oh, you can almost intuit this. In fact. Maybe it'd be better to start with people who haven't read. I don't, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just see. All right, let's, just, let's try this way. <clears throat> what, if, what does the world care about? Okay, what, not, not didn't forget about modern and postmodern. Just what do people in the world care about right now? If you just think about what the world, and you can mildly think about religiously, but it doesn't have to. What, is, what does the world care about? What do you say? You, especially you who haven't read, this would be more fun. Uh, hold for just three minutes. Let's test those sinners who did not read. Really? All right, well, that's, that's good. All right, well, let's, let's it, it actually, it's in fact that people didn't read the first week is okay. So let's just kind of think about, if you think about when you watch the news, when you talk to your friends, especially when you talk to your grandkids, what do they care about? They do care about stuff. Yeah, they do, although... Uh, I, I, I want to challenge, okay, first, I shouldn't challenge too early, so stuff, okay? 
We'll go stuff money. Let's let's just try that. Okay? <clears throat> this is not from the 60s. I'm asking what people care about now. <clears throat> Self. Okay, good. Okay, good. Good. All right, good. Good, good, good. Just remember, there are no wrong answers. <laughs> but you think they? Okay. Let's just, let's just, this is, let's just see. So there is a, this world is flat idea, right? And the guy's just written a sequel. I just saw the advertisement for it. Something that's, you know, the world is flat. Friedman's book, New York Times guy said the world's flat, which is we're all interconnected. He's just wrote a new book that said, the world is flat, hot, and crowded is the new title. It's something like that, which makes complete sense, which is it's not only like one world, but it's hot, global warming, and crowded. Resources are scarce, right? Because the Chinese are, and the Russians, and we have the least. And your kids will live in a world where, I mean, uh, where, where, last night on the news, well, I mean, basically the, the stock market's up 500 points this morning because the Fed is printing money like crazy, but, Last night in the news, the, the, what they were saying was, we hope that some foreign nations will come in and buy our stuff because we don't have enough money to make it right. That's a global world. We're just hoping the Chinese will come in and buy some more, buy Citibank, buy something, you know. We're just hoping they will. So it's going to be a different world for your kids and mine. I mean, last time, remember, I mean, last time Citibank went down, the Saudis came in and bought a big chunk of it. I mean, this is a, it's a different world. We're just hoping, we're just hoping, you know, we're just hoping somebody comes to save us. Okay, so what else? What are the things that are, people do think about being successful. Now, <coughs> but, um, you know, success is one of the words I can never spell. Is it two C's, two S's? What is that? S-U-C-C-E-S-S? Is that what it is? It doesn't look right. I know it has two S's. I can never remember. It's like vacuum. Well, that's why I asked. So what is it? What's the what's what success? I wish. <laughs> we'll just we'll give that a try over here. <laughs> Pointers for husbands. <laughs> Sounds, sounds great, man. <laughs> All right, what else? Yeah, okay. So different, different definitions. What else? What else have you got? What else have you got? <clears throat> yes, please. I, you know, I know you well enough to, uh, to know what's behind that, I think. Although I was going to twist it in a different way, which wouldn't be, might be helpful for me, but not for you. Um, I'm trying to think of how to describe that in a word. That people don't want to be, uh, let me ask you, if I asked you for an example, uh, what, would you, what would you use an example? If you gave an example to, what would you say? No, I'm trying to find, this is, this is looking at the same thing from about six different directions, I think. 
So I was trying to I was trying to figure out a way to um, I was just trying to figure out a way to. Better joy group. <laughs> uh, Phoenix Towers. I can't spell acquiescence. I, you know, <laughs> AQ. Big words. Feelings acquiescence. What did you say though? You didn't say. You didn't give me any of those. You didn't give me feelings. Came from back there. Towns came from over here. Acquiescence. What was your word? You, you just said get along. Peace. That peace isn't a bad word. All right. Acceptance. There you go. Now, there you go. That's um, acceptance is easy. Er. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. What else? Anything else? All right. You go ahead. So when you say that, that's that's not a, a compliment. What's that? What's the older? All right, for you folks who read, man, that's pretty good. Usually things like that don't work. I have respect for that. Look at that. That is like, that's true love right there. This is going to be stronger than that marriage. I mean, look at that. Well, we'll hope it'll be this good. All right, so, uh, <coughs> you know, Wright's thesis is you, if you listen to the world, you can hear you can hear some broad categories of things that people care about. What do you say, you, you who read? Justice is one. Yeah. So, um, gosh, wouldn't it be fun if I could use a different color? <laughs> Here we go. Ah, oh boy. Okay. So, justice. What else did he say people care about? Yeah. What do we normally call, he did say relationships. How do we normally talk about that around here? Relationships is, is true. Yeah, we normally talk about community. But, you know, let him have relationships. You know, there's a little bit of, uh, okay, relationships, justice, community. It's basically that you need other people or you want other people or you need other people to talk to. <coughs> I, as I've told you, when, when it's hints for, hints for husbands, okay, right. the, the great line from Kurt Vonnegut, Jr., I'm just not enough people for my wife. I'm just not enough people for her. She needs more people. I don't have enough words. I'm not enough people, see? No man is enough people for his wife, do you think? Very, very rarely happens. All right, so justice, community. What were the other two? There are two more. So if you listen closely, this is what you'll hear. Spirituality was one, good. Man. Someday when we get to be a successful big church, you know, did any of the new members on Sunday, did any of them have markers in their pockets? We should ask. We should have like a special. Yeah, look at that. that feels good, doesn't it? Uh, spirituality. What was the last one? Thank you very much. Okay, now, we don't know how much of this is influenced because you're all modernists, right? Uh, but first page. No, it, it's the, it's the introduction. The inter, if you read, you aren't the kind of student who didn't read the introduction. I think it's in the very first paragraph. 
You know, there's always those, there's always those kids who skip ahead. The, the, the first chapters of the sign, I'm not reading those ones with the X's and I's on the bottom. I know it does. Yes, he gave him a free pass, didn't he? That's exactly right. Look on the X page, and he, ta- he tells you where, you're, where he's going. The X page would be the top of the X page. I've explored four areas in today's world that can be interpreted as echoes of a voice. The longing for justice, the quest for spirituality, the hunger for relationships, and the delight in beauty. Okay. Top of the X page. The X-Files, by the way, was a great, well, that was the great postmodern warning. Did you ever watch the X-Files? Okay, the X-Files, the X-Files is a great postmodern show. What was the theme from the X-Files? That's part of it, good, but what's the, what's the positive side? They're out there. Yeah, they're out there, right? It could happen. Mystery, it's possible. See, modernists, only if you can get a ruler on it. If you can weigh it or measure it, then it's real. If you can't weigh it or measure it, if you can't reason it through, it's not real. X-Files was the great postmodern flair. Boom. There it is. They're out there. Yeah. And trust no one because who are you not trusting? The modernists who say it's not out there. This is the, this is, it's all happening. All right. <clears throat> so now my question is, one of the, you can ask a question about yourself, whether this stuff that you put up here actually fits into these categories, and if they don't, <clears throat> you may be a modernist if, <laughs> if you think this is what's happening in the world. So which of these fit over here and which don't? And see, part of it, um, let's just take a couple of things like this. Now try to, try to take this in sort of a, a, a sort of a Sunday newspaper sort of way. When you think tolerance, for example, what do you normally hear? What rings in your ear first? Racial tolerance. What else? Sexual tolerance. Yeah, absolutely, right? And where would, where would your kids who are 15 or 20 locate that issue here? They would, but especially here. Justice, right? Justice. Um, this is tolerance for them as a matter of justice. Peace is a matter of justice. Acceptance is a matter of justice. I'm just suggesting to you. It can be other things, too. Wisdom can be... And, and sometimes they overlap, but wisdom is clearly people are looking for something. Why was the Da Vinci Code so interesting to people? And why is it so hot in this room? <laughs> <coughs> why was the Da Vinci Code so interesting to people? Because there was some knowledge beyond the knowledge, right? Some secret knowledge, some gnosis, as they called it in the early church. Some, some wisdom, some mystery beyond. You couldn't just be that you're a damn sinner and Jesus died for that. It has to be like... There's a secret code, and it's a secret bloodline, and a secret child, and a secret secret. You know, and people confuse that often with wisdom, so you have to sort that out. All right, before I give way to Gainig, who, I, <coughs> did I say, I think I said, I think I said I'd go five minutes. Did I say that? What time did I start? Did I start at quarter till? You started at 9 a.m. Oh, okay, I'm just, you know, this Christmas. Christmas, everybody's getting a watch on the staff. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to go to yet another color to show my ability to change. Okay, so just now for you people who, who, who read, I'm just, I'm just curious about this. So you got all this stuff. What's, what's important about your life? What does your life look like? Were you really confused by this? Did it really not make any sense? Yeah. Right. Right.
Thank you very much. Now, <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out whether he described you or whether he's describing somebody else as I listen to you. I try to ask that about myself as well. Um, Maybe you're part of the family. <laughs> Listen, if you want to teach your own course, go ahead. But right now, this is Friday morning with the pastors and pointers for husbands. There's no pointers. We'll, we'll, carry, we'll, take, we'll take care of the pointers for husbands, won't yeah, we? Right, don't tell us that. Exactly. We've got to figure out our own. Pointer number one. Exactly. I saw Wally World. Let me let me suggest to you that in the in this in this book, at least in this first bit, Kenny, if you can help me, if I, I had the one seminal quote and I didn't write down the, uh, I didn't write down. He, how does he say? Well, here's the thing. You know what the greatest proof for justice is? Gossip. What else is gossip, but the yearning for justice? What else is gossip? And I would say one of the steam engines of St. John has in my decade here been gossip. But what else is gossip but the yearning for justice? I've been wronged and I will make it right. Now, if you could like kind of get over uh, that somebody else got you know a two-for-one t-shirt deal and your kid didn't get it and move that all the way to apartheid, it might be a little more Christian. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I put everything out as a thesis to be tested, but I think I think justice is one of the things actually that people. Do. I think we we look for, we might name it in a different way, but I think justice is one of the things. I would I would basically say almost every form of complaint is 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 a, is a year is a year is 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 some at least deformed aspect of yearning for justice. Is it not? Right. Why, 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 do, why do people go to Machu Picchu? By the way, this is a lie. This is a modern lie. Look at that, an orange top that marks in blue. It's always a subtext. <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah, right, like this. Anyway, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and let Ganey have a run at you, but uh, and, uh, while I find the text I want to read to you, Someday when I get to be in an important church, telling you the markers that work, he basically says, and see if you agree with me on this, he basically says this is what, this is what constitutes the Christian faith. Hearing, believing, and doing. That's basically what he says what happens. This is how Christians work. So you're in a world where people, this is what he says. You can agree with him or not or agree with him, but read him first to see. He says, the world is looking for these things. If you talk to kids, you know, why is, why is for example, 
why is what's called, you know, this thing called the emergent church where kids sit in the dark with candles and read or recite? Why is that interesting? Because they're looking for this, and they get this here, and they also get this. And when they come out, they look for this. See if there's anything in your world that doesn't fit into that. If not, you may be a modernist. For example, um, I, I took your initial comment, and I don't, because I, I agree with your comment, and yet I misinterpreted your comment, I think, can be a great danger for the church, which is you believe in justice, you see that justice is not done, you've learned to accept the fact that it's not always done. Now, you didn't say this, but I'm going to say it tagged on to the end of your comment, which is when Christians often realize that, they often throw up their hands and don't do anything. Well, he gave these great examples like Martin Luther King right. and Desmond Tutu. He says that we often feel like we think we can't do it, and then you have somebody like Bonhoeffer who does it. He did, in fact, he did, in fact, say that because because Christians. But that, yeah, I completely agree. He said, "Look, it just keeps coming at us, right?" right. And we say, you know, and he used Rwanda, for example, yeah, the Tutsis and Hutus kill each other. Yeah. He says, we, you know, we say that we'll never let this happen again. You know what the stupidest thing I hear on the radio is? And I hear it about once a week. Ever since 9-11, you hear it about once a week about, it doesn't matter if there's a car crash or somebody gets killed in Iraq or if whatever. People say, we'll never forget. I'm like, we'll never forget. Did you see the 9-11 celebration this year or lack thereof? So like that was 01, right? So seven years later, we who will never forget, have really mostly forgotten. You know, we just don't have the juice to sustain it. We don't care. So then we get yeah. the Armenians in 1915, the Jews in the, right. in the 40s. Yeah. We get the, in the 80s, we get the right. Rwandans. Right. And then, you know, so we just keep getting it over and over again, right? Yeah. But then he says, but, and this is where the church might be able to do some good, from time to time, churches actually figure this out. That it's not just hearing and believing, but also doing. Okay. Yeah, it's nine into ten. And that, I would argue, is the great, um, the great struggle, the great, the great disappointment of the modern church. Now, we may in 100 years say this was the great disappointment of the postmodern church as well. The great disappointment of the modern church was often their appeal to, whoo, I'm not going to hell and heaven is going to be okay, so I'm just going to live my life like I'm in the world. Okay? So take slavery, for example, you know. Oh, it will sort itself out in the next life. Or take, I have to be very careful here, but uh, take the church's own lack of interest in the poor, for example, folks in whom Jesus was extraordinarily interested, okay? Or the sick. Jesus spent most of his time healing people as he taught them. Now, you'll say to me, and you should say to me, and this is what I would say if my um, kids were in a college class and somebody was banging on Christianity, I'd say to the professor, do you know where public schools came from? The church. 
you know where hospitals came from? The church. You know where the so first social in infrastructure came from? The church. But not us so much. You know, I don't know that we so much, and I'll just take us in this room, we as Lutherans. Partly, I'll just tell you part, part of this, part of what this means is, means your life is going to be in constant flux. It means you've got to get good with change really fast. And frankly, nobody cares. I mean, this, if this wasn't a book, a, a chapter about it's not all about you, I don't know what it was. And if you think you can stand around with your hands in your pockets as a Christian, and Jesus is going to say that's okay, you're absolutely out of your minds. And when people say it should be the way it's always been, and frankly, the way it's always been is that people get disappointed or feel they can't do anything, or they just say, well, it'll sort itself out when we all get to heaven, or Jesus will have to take care of that, or I want it my way, or this is just for me. That absolutely positively is not Christian. It's just not. But gaining can rescue you from, this, uh, from all of this. I'm going to just look for something while you... Oh, jeez, go ahead. I mean, give them your best stuff. No. What? Observe that you remember last year, I always sat down and opened the book with all of you and said, what did you like? What did you dislike? Today, it's like a public lecture. Here's I mean, the I thing, man. You're this down out. deep. You're an emo. I'm a huge emo. And I'm a you modernist. Know, you wouldn't, you'd be surprised. Yesterday, in the Wheaton, what's the newspaper that comes out on? Leader. In the, uh, in the support group section. I am not. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Betty, good job. Good reflexes. Good job. You okay? You all right? Good job. Holy cow. Oh. All right. In, in the, the support group section. In the support group section, they had an emotion, emotional, per, what was it? It said Emos Anonymous. What is it? Emos Anonymous. Really? Are we going? Uh, you and I are leading it. Really? Yeah. It's going to be in Wheaton. No, I'm just, I'm a little surprised. I mean, this is like, this is, um, well, we started at, at what time? 9.15, 45 minutes. If you ever want to join the new member class, this is basically what it's like, just so you know. <laughs> Ruzik says, I know, see, you're laughing. Except this for is, the days I don't show up. You can laugh, because I, I used to cry, but now I just laugh. It's fun. You know, he says, hey, let's, you know, Nelson gets his own Bible study. He can do whatever he wants. He says, hey, come teach the new member class with me. <laughs> basically, I wish I was doing Tuesday nights, because I sit in the back corner while he teaches, and then he says, oh, Gaina, I've been going for an hour and a half. Well, let's pray and go home. So... <laughs> Thank you for giving me 18 minutes. Um, hold on to your seats. We'll see what kind of good we can do. Well, you, the thing is, with the clarity of thought that you bring, you won't yes, need more than about on. six, seven minutes. All right. This is well, I mean, I set the ball on the tee for you. All you have to do is knock it down the middle. That is. <laughs> oh, boy. Going to serve. Let me just. Yeah, you're right. That's you know like, that's like cut doing? to the heart, man. Here's the thing. We should start preaching 25 minutes. I, you know, I'm going to. Let's I'm going to go back to 25 time. minutes. I'm going to preach next time for 30 minutes and see who kvetches. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I didn't have time to write a short one, so I wrote a long one, right? All right. Think about that next time you hear a 25-minute sermon. Um, I, it, this, well, first of all, this book, I think, is very fascinating. One, because N.T. Wright is the Bishop of Durham, and when I was at Durham, he was a big deal over there. So I like him, uh, just because I know him even tangentially like that. However, I used this book in an apologetics course at River Force that I taught last spring, and I think when the students began to read it, um, they didn't have a clue what they were getting themselves into, which may be part of the reason why they didn't ask me back to teach this year. Um, <laughs> the students did, but not the administration. So. Uh, there you go. But anyways, I find this to be a fascinating book. But I think your comments, when I heard, when we read the first chapter, River Forest, there was, there was a dramatic difference between their response and your response. Go ahead. I was just going to say that everything that springs out about this chapter is not what I got from it. What did you get from it? Good. Tell us what you got. I got it from a sense, I don't know why I looked at it this way, but I kind of looked at it as if I wasn't Christian. Right. Right. And that's just, and that's something that brings us together. And I think that that's what a lot of people don't understand about Christianity. Is that it's, I don't, I don't, I didn't, like those little tragedies, 
I didn't see anyone saying that cuss. Yeah. All I got from it was that justice is a human condition and Christianity is all about being just. Right. I, your comment, I think you said, I just don't, I just don't think about justice all the time. That is, so, that is so different than how I view the world. I mean, and this is, and not that you're wrong, but maybe you're not a postmodern. I don't know. But that's completely different. Justice, in my mind, is what drives everything I do. So here's Gainig, okay? At the PTL, <laughs> Here we go. Gainig Just wait. <laughs> tried to subvert the PTL. He tried to subvert the PTL picnic. How? Because, here's what happened. Gainig and I are in line. Oh, yeah. And this, this woman comes up and says, what are you doing? We said, we're having a picnic. She said, and we beat her to the punch because we both saw what was happening first. We said, we said we're, we're having a picnic, and we said, and you're welcome. And we said, where are you from? And very cleverly, she said, I'm from Wheaton. Okay, you tell me what was happening there. Absolutely, she was. So she went through the line. And then what does Gaining say? Let's go to the park. I think there's more people over there. I came with that and that close to having every homeless guy in Wheaton. They weren't there yet. They're still smoking down by pads at that time. <laughs> but we did it that go to the park. And Gaining's like, this will be great. This is what Christians do. Mike, talk about being a postmodern. Because how many of the rest of you had that impulse? How many of the rest of you said, wow, we have too much food, so what we should probably do is get the homeless people from the park. That's not a modernist impulse. That's a right. postmodern impulse. See? Because justice is what you're all about. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. Why that rings in your head. I mean, and, and he's, see, the thing is, he says, you grew up with it. It's not like you went home and decided you were going to be just. It's like that's what matters to you, mm -hmm. which is great. You're a great postmodern. So are you saying that so you Christians by nature are postmodern? Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm actually saying I, I would actually, I'm actually argue that Jesus is a postmodern. I would say Jesus is a postmodern, at least in this sense, but I don't think Christians are. Read this, this paragraph that Kirby read here. Is this still my time or your time? <laughs> just keep, man, just, don't worry, I'm not keeping track because that would be in the way of the law. Trying to love you. You're the bishop, I'm obedient, keep going. Number nine, page number nine, number nine, like the Beatles, number nine. This is what Kirby read to you. Just listen to this. Or we can say if we like, this is the sec third paragraph, that the reason we have these dreams, and he talks about the dreams being dreams of, ju of beauty, dreams of, dreams of community, dreams of justice, dreams of spirituality. The reason we have these dreams, the reason we have this sense of memory of the echo of voice is that there is someone speaking to us. And right there you should be thinking, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was a word before he was a flesh. Okay? Whispering in our inner ear. Someone, and now this is the bang on the, on the modernist church, okay? Someone who cares very much about the present world and our present selves and who has made us and the world for a purpose which will indeed involve justice, things being put to right, ourselves being put to right, constant change, constant change, constant change, the world being rescued at last. So here's the thing. If that's not what the church looks like, then it doesn't look like Jesus. Right. Gigi? Anti by choice or anti by? It's not a quest for beauty or a hunger for beauty, but it's, it's 
doing is we're replacing it. Right. At first, I was just kind of thinking it's simply all over. So maybe the postmodern is the more. I don't even know if I'd say it's biblical. I would say that's true, but just like. Just like we'd say of the Beatitudes, some people would say, well, those talk about Jesus, which is true. But not only do they talk about Jesus, the Beatitudes are Jesus. These four things that he lists, beauty, justice, community, spirituality, those aren't just referencing Jesus. Jesus is beauty. Jesus is justice. Jesus is spirituality, not in like an evangelical sense where, you know, if you don't read your Bible for 40 minutes a day, you're, you know, you're all screwed up. But Jesus is, Jesus is a life. That's spirituality. He brings you into a life. And what's the fourth one? Community, justice, beauty, and spirituality. And I'll just, uh, you know, I'll propose this, but you can never use the Missouri Synod as an example because they're always 15 years behind everyone else. As I said down here many times, you know, even the guy who wrote Shine, Jesus, Shine doesn't think it's a good song anymore. Okay? That was a joke. <laughs> Joe, you can laugh. But it is I preached at River Forest yesterday, and I said to the students, I said, I said, this, is, this, com- this should come as good news, what I was talking about, because I said it's not by force. Masters work by force, and maybe professors too, but not Jesus, and no one laughed. <laughs> so with 300 people, it was LEA Day at River Forest, and I was introduced, you'll like this, we're glad to have Pastor Gainick here, most especially because when he preaches, it's very short. So at that moment, I suddenly wrote in four more minutes to my sermon. But I, short version, that's exactly right, because postmoderns can't keep up with all that. But I would, but I'd use Rome as an example, because Rome, you know, they don't do everything right, but at least they're not, you know, they're not 20 years behind everyone. If you read these four things and think about what's going on in the Catholic Church as a whole, you see these four things shining through. For instance... The, the Pope's last encyclical was on divine love. Okay? There's a renewed interest among young people, people our age, <laughs> to live a life of mercy and compassion and charity. So you've got young people. In fact, they just had the, um, they just had the royal family on 2020 the other night. It was a repeat. I watched it the first time and watched it the second time because I think it's fascinating. Who's leading the charge on acts of mercy and charity in the royal family? The kids, right? It's the same thing in the Catholic Church. Beauty, the Pope just wrote a whole thing on how there needs to be a renewed interest in beauty in the church. I think he stole it from us, but he owes us 20 bucks, okay? And spirituality, there's a renewed interest in in the rhythm of the Christian life. There's a renewed interest in the liturgy. There's a renewed interest... In, 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 in being caught up in the life of the saints, and especially with young people. Now, that doesn't make all that right, but what I'm saying to you is that's the way it is, and Rome has got that. Now, here's what we need to do. If Rome's got it, how do we take it and redeem it like a good Lutheran? How can you be a postmodern? Because I think Jesus is very postmodern. The Gospels are utterly postmodern, and that's partly why the life of the early church is so strikingly similar to the life today. I mean, if you were in the early church, if you sat down with catechumens in the early church, they would have this discussion. How can, we, how can we have community? People are killing us. How can there be justice when people do want to kill us? Why are people dying for the faith? How, we're going to build a new building. How can it be as utterly beautiful as possible? How can we be caught up not just in having knowledge poured in our head, but actually caught up in a life? Okay? Go ahead. Thing, or visiting that person in the hospital, so we don't put them in a code, and then we don't do it. So, I, 
I think the difference is your parents didn't think about it and did it. You thought about it and didn't do it, and postmoderns think about it and do it. And we, and, and we still may do it, but it might, it, it's not the, it's not the kid's instinct. Not a part of you. Right. Right. And the reason your parents did it is because they still had the liturgy. And that's what the postmoderns are going back to. Because it was drilled into them by repetition every week. That's what they did. That's what they did. And when you have that much gospel building up on you, can't, you can't um, avoid it. One other thing for Gigi, I mean, part of the, your frustration with your post, you don't have to be a postmodern. or care, You don't have to be illogical. We're not actually asking you to be postmodern. We're asking you, the point of all this is so that you can talk about the church to other people. I mean, this is a course in apologetics. Now, what was fascinating about Gaining's experience was, did you actually get a letter from this guy who said what you're doing is completely outside the bonds of classic Christian apologetics? I got two letters like that. To which you said, <laughs> thank you very much. Because if you have, just listen to your own description, if you have a bunch of postmodern relatives who make no rational sense, okay, all their theses conflict with all their other theses and they never use data, and then you try to use... Uh, Josh, what's his name? Evidence that demands a verdict. They're going to look, but but that's but but the thing is, but think about whether that isn't what frustrates you because what you'd like to say is, see, A goes to B and B goes to C, and believe me, there's nobody more linear than me. I mean, I like, I like order. I like arguments to go A, B, C, D, E. I like people to say what they mean, and I don't like there to be a subtext unless you intend a subtext for beauty. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing. You cannot speak to your postmodern relatives in a modern way. You cannot stack up the data and hope they believe. That's, and that's going to be the great, this is why the great evangelical experiment of four laws of spiritual growth is not, I mean, that is not only wrong, it's going to be utterly irrelevant because nobody can count to four. So what you have to learn to do is, in the midst of all that blather around the Thanksgiving table, what you need to do, you need to learn to slip in a beautiful thing or a just thing. You need to ring with them at the deepest level that they don't even know they have. Basically, I'm sorry. Okay, but here's the thing. The conversation, yes, you're right, but go one step above, which is the conversation is back on the table. And it hasn't been on the table for centuries. Justice is actually the exception because justice has been. But the, there's nothing that's been more ignored in the church for the last few hundred years is beauty. The Archbishop of Canterbury wrote his dissertation, his Ph.D. dissertation on beauty, and couldn't even find anybody to take an interest in it. Beauty was not interesting 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, for 100 years, not been, with very few exceptions, beauty's not been interesting. Spirituality has not particularly been an interest of the Christian church. Even community, if there's anything that's more anti-communal, what is more anti-communal than American evangelicalism? I make my personal decision for Christ. What is more anti-community than that? So the thing is, is these things in post you don't have to like it or even hope, but they're back on the table. The church can talk about them again. The church can talk about mystery again, which means then it can talk about sacraments, which means then it can talk about incarnation. And so what you, what it, it's going to be a very different kind of witness. Chief among it is going to be that Christians are kind to each other, which frankly didn't flip and matter for maybe 100 years because, by God, we had the right doctrine and we know the Catholics are going to hell and we know that the Reformed are wrong, so we're right. Ah! You know, I, I, I'm serious. I mean, it's just, it's, it, so you, it, this, is, this is the world of opportunity, which is why we're so excited. Don't, don't mistake it for us saying, isn't this great because they're right. This is like, isn't this great because we can talk about it again. Go Ruth, ahead. you've been so patient. You know, go, go, please, you've been so patient. Go ahead.
from the tennis, mm -hmm. the the world war. Mm -hmm. That's how much that took away from us looking at beauty. <laughs> we we were so busy and I was Right. No, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. Oh, 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 yes. To make your point, let him tell you a story. Yeah, there, yeah, well, I'm sure it's very, well, there's, a, there's a, a, a very nice man who uh, we see quite often who was in the war, uh, was a very devout Christian before he left, taught Sunday school, uh, confirmed in the Church of England. He grew up in, in England, uh, up north, actually near Durham, he grew up, and went off to the war. And as he'd go into these cities that they claimed were full of Christians, they'd ask for food, these soldiers, and they didn't give them anything. And so he came back from the war and was essentially a, a, an unbeliever. I mean, he was essentially a pagan. He said, he, I mean, he told me point blank, I gave up the faith because people didn't feed us. People who claimed that they were Christian didn't feed us. So, But, 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 but I, I, I called on him for years and couldn't get anything done. Then fresh face Gainig comes mm -hmm. and says to him, <laughs> I, don't, oh, I said well, a lot said, of stuff to but him. But what you said, what you got to him most was, he said, you're going to die soon. Yeah, right. What's going to happen I said, then? I said, you know, you're, you're, I said, you're going to die, and who's going to do your funeral? Well, I don't know. I said, who's going to care for your wife? I don't know. Who's going to care for you as you're dying? I don't know. Well, suddenly that was an in because there was justice in that. Finally, wrongs were made right. He was disowned by Christians, and now he's being loved by Christians. There was compassion and community. There was beauty in that. He finally, this, I find it fascinating that you said we couldn't find beauty in all that went on, because a postmodern would say, even in the suffering, there's beauty. So this guy is a fragile guy who, it's. You didn't say that I actually disagree. I completely disagree, actually. No, I no, because the Eucharist trumps that. Well, you can't just say, I mean, you, you can just say, yeah, but it's true. I mean, people, there are people in this room who have said, I've never suffered. You actually can't say that if you believe the reality of the Eucharist. Because those sufferings are just as real for you. When I sat with him and said, I mean, after 20 years of denying the Eucharist, he said, I want the Holy Supper. That's a reality that suddenly he and I are joined together in this suffering. I realize I didn't have the same stuff going on that he did, but I suffered in different ways that he did, and we shared those sufferings. That's, I mean, that's the point of, so, you know, we can say you can't say that, but if you believe the reality of the Eucharist, there's no way you can deny it. So we're with that guy, and all of a sudden his life is transformed. Might be this guy. <laughs> okay, could be his wife. And I still remember, you know, her writing and what she was going through, and you know, and and I would send her things. I tried to send her, you know, little things to make her life a little happier. And and we, I don't know. And I had a when she wrote a family and from our community. Suffered for three years when we separated from the father. 
involved, a mother had to be helicoptered out or, or taken out of the prison camp first and evacuated just because she was going to jail. I mean, and, and they came back to high school. Mm -hmm. I went to high school, so that's very, very sort of like a hard thing mm -hmm. for them that they went through. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. Right. 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 I think I think these four echoes, and I know you're teeing up a Bible verse, so let me just say this and then you can have the last word. I think these four echoes are very unique to postmodernism, but I also think that the four echoes that he talks about find their origin and their truest expression in the life of the church. They find their origin and their truest expression in the life of the church. So if you want to see justice, justice is simply a fancy way of talking about confession and absolution. You've wronged me. I'm very sorry for that. I forgive you. Let's move on and be community. You see how this all plays together. I mean, all the church is about is justice. Death and resurrection is justice. Confession and absolution is justice. So the goal, and we can't talk about it today, but the goal is to find the best way then to bring people into the life of the church who are caught up in a life that revolves around these four echoes. How do you do that? Because maybe the old way works. I don't think it does, but maybe the old way works. But if there's got to be a new way to do that, how does that, what does that look like? Okay? You got something? That was very well said. I think, I think actually, it was, it was very, uh, what you said was, was so helpful because the world is a mixed up place. Yeah. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be, you shouldn't hear us as saying, boy, this is just a black and white world and, right. you know, there's good people and bad people. If you read anything out of the first chapter, what you read is the world is a mess. Sometimes we understand it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have the right impulse, sometimes we don't. But here are, and I would just, if you just let this play out, don't write him off too soon. Just let him play out and see whether, start to listen to your friends and kind of do the exercise you did on the board. See whether over the course of the next few weeks, all that your friends say, and especially listen to people under 25, just listen to them. Listen to them and see whether what they say mostly fits under those categories. Mm -hmm. What they're asking for is justice and beauty, community and spirituality. Just, just listen. And, and you shouldn't hear us endorsing the postmodern world. What you should hear us saying is, it's a postmodern world. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Just like you lived in a World War II world, and there was nothing you could do to stop it. So your choice was, you can either be a good Christian or not. And you're right, some people were good Christians, like your pen pal thing or what happened in the prison camp. But I tell you, in other places, people weren't good Christians at all. Those poor guys mm -hmm. starved to death, okay? So we're in the world we're in. The question is, how are we going to make that church? Right. And we've got to be a little bit nimble. This whole notion of, you know, we can just sit back and do what we always did, and the world's going to come to us. This is a sea change. This is a bigger change. We've not seen a change in 300 years like this. The world is a different place. It's not logical. It's not linear. It's not institutional. Denominations don't matter. Well, you know, it's funny because when she was thinking, I was thinking about my, you know, most wars, when you get down to it a little bit, some of the foundational ones are religious, you know, groups, <coughs> you know, one somebody's religious leader is growing out. Yeah, and, 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 you know, and, and then it even mm -hmm. drives other people who are religious away right. from religion and Well, and usually, usually religion is a cover. For example, just take the war in Ireland. Is the Protestant Catholic War a religious <laughs> war? 
Yeah, I don't think so. Or. I think it's an, I think maybe, but I also think it's a convenient way to choose up sides, you know. So sometimes it is. But take the World Wars; those aren't world; those aren't weren't, those are Christians and Christians. Now you're right well, in the 16th Hitler, century. Considered himself to be the ultimate Christian. Yes, but, but he was a but pagan. He was, he was a pagan. Yes, he was. Yeah, Yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll have to watch for that. You have to we'll have to watch for that as we go. And you know what? Here's the thing. So so and and whether we agree on the analysis, here's the thing. Whether we agree on how the analysis is, the payoff is going to be. Can you find a point of contact with people? Okay. And his suggestion is these are four points of contact. There might be six. There might be two. But here, I mean, we're, we'll just tell you where we're trying to go. We're just trying to get you to the point. We've poured over the last 10 years, you know, as much doctrine as any of you are ever going to need to know for a lifetime. What we're trying to do is move you from the hearing and the believing point to the doing point. And part of the doing shows itself not only in acts of mercy but in words of witness. So when you bump into people, you can actually talk about why the church might be important, why Christ might be important. You know, what, you know why Christ is important? He makes wrongs right. That's justice. Justice is making wrong things right. That's what Christ does. We say that every Sunday. That's what justice is. He makes wrong things right. People, institutions, the world, that's what he does. And you, then you can live in freedom and beauty and community after that. You see, this plays right into our strong suit. This is right in our wheelhouse. This is where we want to be. See, this is this. We're exactly in the right place at the right time. What we need is about 50 or 100 people who can talk about that, which is why, and Gainig didn't blow his own horn here, but if you just look up there and if you were in church at 9 o'clock, what else is that but the catechumenate? Do you see that that's the cat? I mean, what he wrote in this book, that's the ancient catechumenate. What else is it but hearing and believing and doing? It isn't anything else. That's exactly how the catechumenate is designed. So everything is all working together right now for us. If we can just kind of pay attention, and you can all learn to talk normally. If Gigi can learn to speak normally to her postmodern relatives in a way that... <laughs> right. But see, now when you do that, Gigi, all you got to do, it, that's exactly what the world looks like, but here's what you got to do. You got to find one point, and you got to slip a little gospel in at that point. That's all you got to do. And see, there's this ultimate trust that the Holy Spirit will do it, right? It's not the world as the world was. It's a different world. You're not going to argue people. That what you're going to do is you're either going to slip in a thing that just so turns their world around they believe it, or you're going to be kind in a way that nobody else was ever kind to them. And then they're going to say, wow, the church is probably valuable. Jesus must have some. It's the early church. Look how they loved one another. That's what they said about the early church. So anyway. Um, what are we going to do? There were enough of you that didn't read. Do we need to, can you read 30 pages for the week? Can you read that much? Well, chapter 1 and 2? Yeah, can you read like 1 and 2? So it's 17 and then I don't know where the next chapter ends. I think Somebody it goes up got to like 30? 30. 30. Yes. 27. Just read through 27. But kind of think about these. If you just, if you just have to, all you need to think about, think about hearing Hearing, believing, and doing on one side, and then think about the four things on the other side. Beauty, community, spirituality, and justice. Two quick announcements. One is next week some Wheaton College girls will be here to do babysitting. We just couldn't swing it, but um, they've got to leave to go to chapel about 1020. I think our deaconess will be here to take your kids from 1020 to 1035, 1040. But if not, we may have to have Jake or Drake, Charlie, and, you know, Augie out here with us during the Bible study for the last 10 minutes. I, no, no, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but at least still, at least still 1020. The other thing is there's a Saturday seminar sign-up upstairs. It's a big deal. The guy is a uh, Orthodox priest, Father Patrick Henry Reardon, a very prolific author, kind of across ecumenical lines. This is, you know, we could have two or 300 people at this thing. It's becoming very public in the area that we're going to have this seminar. In fact, this is a sign of postmodernism. The deaconess, did you get this? The deaconess sent, uh, sent an invite out on Facebook. Didn't even know you could do that. But it's the way the world is. 
Yeah. Reardon is like a, an American N.T. Wright, real honestly. That's kind of his. So if you want to come, if you want to come here, that October 11th, sign up right upstairs. Okay. Pray and go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.